Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Folks, when you need to know what options you have for your home, and you need to know, need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family, remember this, Rocket can it's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS. I did not have my headset on during the break. Do we have Joe Reedy? Okay, we're getting Joe Reedy right now. 855-2124-CBS. Yeah, that's what happens, see? When I ain't paying attention, we get all antsy in the pantsy. Coming up at 4.40 p.m. Eastern, 1.40 p.m. Pacific. Work or shoot coming up for everybody. We'll get into that. So hopefully we'll be a really, really big one. And then coming up 5 p.m. Eastern, Doug Maurice will join us on the show from Cleveland.com, also an author, has written a couple of books. They're all fantastic books. We'll talk about his new book and Trouble in Paradise, maybe a bit, maybe a bit of Trouble in Paradise down in Columbus right now. Paying attention to some of the scores as we're working to get Joe, we're efforting to get Joe Reedy. Paying attention to Badgers and Irish, 17-13 Notre Dame. Boy, for... For as much as Notre Dame doesn't want to join the Big Ten, that is a very Big Ten score, 17-13 over Wisconsin. People need to leave Clark Lee alone in Vanderbilt. They're trying some different things. There shouldn't be much pressure. Hell, they won their first game in God knows how long. They won their first road game, I think, since Obama was president. Just against Colorado State the other day. Give Clark, I know it's 62 to nothing with 7.30 left to go in the fourth quarter. Give Clark Lee a little – well, actually, probably you should run the clock in this game. But other than that, please give Clark Lee a little bit more time. It's Vanderbilt, for crying out loud. Also, Texas is on top of Texas Tech. Holy Toledo, 70-28. to 28. We're trying to find a couple of other ones here because I want to see if this Bowling Green score is absolutely correct. But right now, we go to the hotline. We welcome in a buddy from way back in the day. He's based in Los Angeles from the Associated Press. He's covered – Goodness gracious, basically everybody in the NFL. Joe Reedy joins us on the show. Joe, hello. Hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Joe. It's wonderful to hear your voice. It's wonderful to talk to you again during football season, and it's wonderful to talk with you about the Chargers and Rams and maybe even a little bit of USC. I said this. Let me throw this at you here, Joe, real quick. Now, you are a guy who covered Mike Zimmer, and Mike Zimmer at one point, I'm not going to repeat him, had a very strong opinion about Bobby Petrino who left the Atlanta Falcons to go take the Arkansas job. I said, if now in 2021, everything's on the up and up. We don't blame players for leaving anymore. We don't blame anybody for going to the transfer portal. 
Say a coach was at a mid-level Power 5 school and USC came to call. Is it now okay that that coach were to leave mid-level Power 5 school to go to USC midseason? Thoughts? Yeah, I would think so, especially now in colleges that, you know, programs fire coaches two to three games into the season. I think we've seen really the past four or five years teams no longer wait until the end of the year. It's almost become the norm now. You know, USC this year, I remember when Florida uh, fired Jim McElwain. I think that was at the middle of the season. You know, it's it's almost like the, the college programs are mimicking the uh, NFL programs now with um, – with the firings and just doing it, doing it in season. So, you know, if, if a guy wanted to, wanted to leave, it would certainly be a uh, precedent setter. I, I see no problem with it. The example I've been using just as an example, just pulling a name out of there was PJ Fleck, except Bowling Green is right now up 14, 10 with about two and change left to go in the game there in Minnesota. So I don't know if PJ Fleck for very much longer is a great example to use. Have there been names that you've heard out there? that have been thrown out there that maybe maybe off the beaten path or maybe the smart money that people at USC would like and makes sense to you, Joe? I think Luke Fickle right now, that name's being mentioned a lot, but, I mean, Luke, Luke has a team that's ranked eighth or ninth in the country right now, might have a shot at um, the college football playoff, especially if they get a win over uh, Notre Dame next Saturday. So, And he's got a relationship with Mike Bones, so um, – you know, that's been mentioned. Uh, I know you're a good friend in Ames, Iowa, uh, Mr. Campbell. That name has been been mentioned here a little bit. But they're really out here looking for a name at USC. So Mike said he's going to take his time and go through everything. And I think he also might look at the uh, NFL ranks to see how everything sorts out too. You know, Pete Carroll wasn't a very sexy name at the time he was hired at USC and, and turned the program around too. So I think not only looking at those mid-level programs, but I think they're going to look at the NFL ranks and see what, uh, what gets sorted out and you know the Eric Derek the enemy name has uh popped up too here a little bit um, I was just going to ask you that is there fire to the smoke around there when it comes to Eric the enemy I think um Eric I think has a history with USC so it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him and I don't know whether that would be that frustration of going through another NFL hiring cycle and, you know, if he, if he wasn't picked this time. The Colorado, when Colorado opened a couple of years ago, I don't think at the time that made sense, but mm-hmm. it's certainly uh, USC and uh, if Eric went there, that would make plenty of sense. For whatever reason, that's a very tough job, that Colorado job is. Joe Reedy joining us, Associated Press. Follow this man on Twitter. He's one of the best, at Joe Reedy. All right, Justin Herbert is already said, seen in the top ten by a lot of people as an NFL quarterback. People absolutely love him. They're one and one It looks like a team that can be a playoff team. What has what has been, the? I guess, the secret of Justin Herbert that the talk show host didn't want to talk about when he came out in the draft? Because all the scouts, Joe – 
love this kid, and they're just kicking back in their chairs going, yeah, we told you. We tried to tell all you guys, and none of you would listen. I, you know, it's, it was one of those with, at the time, Oregon was just ascending again. He had three coaches in four years because, I mean, at the time, Justin started at Oregon as a freshman. That program was on the way down. Um, and then there was the one year under Willie Taggart. And then, you know, under Mario, things started to gel again to where he got that win and he got that win in the Rose Bowl as a senior. Rose Bowl wasn't one of his greatest games passing wise. But I think he showed in that game that he was going to do anything to get a win because I think he had three rushing touchdowns in that game, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, that Rose Bowl with everything that's gone on the past couple of years seems like 200 years ago. So, But I think with the way he was able to run on some of those uh, RPOs and the deep ball is the thing that, you know, really – the scouts love, but I think the thing that really impressed us is a rookie and, you know, kind of the first couple games this year is the way as a, as a young quarterback, he, uh, he performs well under pressure and against the blitz, which with college quarterbacks, you don't expect that to happen immediately. And he was throwing QB ratings uh, as a rookie in first couple years that, you know, we normally saw with Ben Roethlisberger. So I think that's been the thing that's really done, that's really served them well. And, you know, with this new offense with Joe Lombardi now, they almost talk about it as a uh, offensive system that runs through Justin. And he's been shown with the quick passes and, uh, you know, with the intermediate and long balls that he's really got a uh, full passing game. Joe Reedy joining us from the Associated Press in Los Angeles. By the way, his completion percentage is at 70%, 70 and a half. I believe there's 14 or 15 quarterbacks right now with a completion percentage above 70 and a half. Do you put that on the quality of quarterbacks or do you put that on the way that maybe the lack of defense or even the rules that are put towards defenses for quote-unquote player safety? I think quality of quarterbacks, Ken, but also – you know, we're seeing a lot more of those shovel passes and everything, which counts as which counts as a pass in the NFL. Yeah. So, and and I think a lot more with the short passing game too, with the screens and everything, and what different teams do. So it's not, you know, everybody is chucking it down the field, fifteen to twenty yards with the short passing game. I think your percentage is going to go up. Joe, I got to ask you this, because I I just went on this crazy rant before I had you on about tanking. And, I mean, you've covered teams that kind of look like a tank. You've you've rooted for teams uh, that have certainly tanked. You know, I I, I used it with Urban Meyer. I think he got in at the wrong time. I think he should have got in at the end of the tank. He should have let somebody else been that, that, that throwaway coach and let him come in there and then reap the rewards. I think it's it, he just got the timing wrong on this. But I look at a guy like like Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert was not taken by a tanking team. This is a team that has gold in them, their hills. I see the same thing with the Rams where they upgraded their quarterback situation. Is this something that we should pay closer attention to? Because, you know, you you covered the Bengals for quite a while, and here's Joe Burrow, and 
back-to-back-to-back you know, back to back picks last week, and it's like, man, he's good, but are they putting too much pressure on him? And is this something we could see where a lot of guys just have too much pressure on them too soon to revitalize these franchises now? Well, I think we also try to look at the, the makeup of the team all around. I mean, when, you know, you brought up the Cincinnati example, when Andy Dalton came in in 2011, that was a 4-12 and team, but it had a veteran offensive line. It had veterans at the skill positions, and it, and it had a very good defense. So there was talent around them. I think with Joe – that that lineup was pretty much was pretty much bare, especially at the offensive line. Now during the off season, I think that the Bengals did well not only on the offensive line but the defensive line in terms of getting that quality and picking up a couple secondary guys. And you know, with the with the Justin Herbert, he came in with plenty of skill positions. Now his first year the offensive line really struggled and now he's got four new starters on the offensive line. So we'll see kind of how that, how that develops. They kind of struggled last week, but in uh, week one, they performed especially well. I think it's just a matter of looking at the entire team and everything that's built and, you know, also the coaching staff too, and how much of a marriage that is with, with uh, philosophies and how well that uh, everything can go. Now, you know, with Cincinnati this year, I thought really thought that they should have gone with Sewell instead of Jamar Chase. But I mm-hmm. think the first couple of games, especially in that first game, mm-hmm. I kind of rethought that decision to where Joe has a, has had a good rapport with Jamar from his time in LSU, so that really helps him as far as uh, up in the skill positions and giving him another weapon. The great Joe Reedy joining us on the show. Over to the Rams, and you vote for the Hall of – do you still vote for the Hall of Fame? I do not anymore. I had to give that up uh, about five, six years ago. But I, I still know plenty of people who vote for the Hall and uh, keep track of it. Let me ask you this, then, because you're the – person to ask my friend if Sean McVay and Matt Stafford go to a Super Bowl and win it this year is Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer I don't think so because oh you're killing me I'm sorry Joe go ahead you go ahead I the, the, the Detroit numbers really you know I think it's long career but Hall of Very Good, but not, but not Hall of Fame. I think when we look at Kurt Warner, you know, Kurt with what he did with the Rams was very good. He almost played himself out of the Hall with the Giants and then got his uh, second wind and the uh, comeback with Arizona to get back in and leading, leading them to the Super Bowl. Now, if Stafford goes to multiple Super Bowls here in L.A., mm-hmm. it's a possibility. But I think with just one, no, not not a chance. How many more years do you think Stafford has? I would think I would think at least three to four. Which, if you you made that trade with his with it giving up an, another round of uh, another round of uh, first round draft picks, I th- I think both of your kids are going to be in high school by the time the Rams have a first round <laughs> draft pick again with uh, as many as uh, 
Les Need and Sean McVeigh have, have done. I kind of said it. I kind of said it was kind of like Ted Steppe and trading all the all the draft picks away when when he owned the Cavs. It's 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 amazing. Um, he they, it wasn't just it wasn't just a uh, one year thing. They had to they had to do this for multiple years because I think they are among the favorites in the NFC, Ken, and I think. You know, Stafford wanted to come to Los Angeles and play in big games, and tomorrow's game against Tampa Bay is certainly a big one, which will give us a better indication of how him and this team are going to do. I mean, week one against Chicago was a primetime game, and he came out firing, but, I mean, it's Chicago. And they also have a history of when they go out east, they struggle so I don't put I I don't look at week two against Indy maybe as closely or as uh, critical as maybe other teams do. But uh, next week this one against Tampa Bay on Sunday I think will give us a better indication because right now those look like the uh, top two teams in the NFC that in early February are going to be meeting for for a Super Bowl berth. Joe Reedy joining us on the show. Find him on Twitter at Joe Reedy. You know, I, I love what you said. By the way, I was gonna I was gonna like cut you off and go. You know, I got three sons, and I went. Well, wait a minute now. Joe said two out of three. It, uh, let's not go counting chickens. That all three are gonna go and graduate high school here. Let's not be nuts here. Um, let me ask you though about those draft picks here, because I I threw out a I threw out a pretty wild theory once, and I wanted to run it by you. I think that this is a way that Sean McVay can consolidate power and hold on to power because I, you know, I, I heard him in his podcast with Peter Schrager over the summer, Joe, and he's interviewing Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has all the power in the world and people make every excuse for Kyle Shanahan. And it seems that every other day people want to go right after Sean McVay over God knows what. And I'm thinking, man, if you're Sean McVay, you had to get rid of all these picks with less need do you do something where after all this is done, you go to Stan Kroenke and go, I want to be in charge of the whole thing, or I might go take some time off and go in a booth and go to another team? Because this it's team a, will be possi- very bad at some point. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's a possibility, but I also think that with Les and Sean, it's, it's one of those marriages to where Sean could complain all he wanted saying – he wanted a quarterback as a partner and not as a student, but it's still up to Les Snead and Stan Kroenke to say, we'll go out and get a Matt Stafford and give up this much draft capital. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you can't do one without the other. Now, would Sean turn on less? Maybe. I mean, I've seen it with, coach and GM pairings before, especially those that last a long time, but it almost seems like those two have been in concert about what they wanted to go in the process to do. And I think the thing that's also unique here, Ken, is because of the stadium here in in Inglewood and how much money and how much has been invested in everything, the Rams have almost taken the aggressive standpoint that they have to you know be competitive now and go at all costs to get fans into those stadiums and into the premium seats 
and get revenue in order for that to happen. I think almost the other comparison, too, is with what Carolina and Bill Polian did in the, in the mid to late 90s when Jacksonville came the same time, but they had their stadium and were established and could go young and build that way. Carolina needed to sell PSLs mm-hmm. and everything to get the money for that stadium up and running. So they took a very aggressive standpoint of winning now and uh, in getting fans in the seats. And I think that's almost the case right now with the Rams. Follow him on Twitter. At Joe Reedy, he's one of the best. We absolutely love him. God knows I do. From the Associated Press in L.A. Joe, we thank you very much for the time, buddy. Take care. You too. Good talking to you, Ken. Thank you, buddy. Joe Reedy joining us on the show from the Associated Press. 855-2124-CBS. There are 35 seconds left to go up in Minnesota. Bowling Green's punting the ball with with 35 seconds left in a 14-10 lead. And I got people on hold in California wanting to talk about USC. Uh, maybe it probably wasn't a good idea to use P.J. Fleck in his example for an entire hour. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. I'll face the music with you guys coming up. And I love awkward and I love confrontations. I think we got the both this week. Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. So I spent an hour... Big thanks to Joe Radio joining us on the show. I spent an hour just using, as an example, just using P.J. Fleck going, what if in the middle of the season he decided to go to USC? And I I started the hour, I started the show, and I, I saw that Minnesota was losing to Bowling Green. I never thought they'd actually lose to Bowling Green. Like, I never thought that was going to happen. Essex did not think that was going to happen. Pete McCarthy did not think that was going to happen, and then it happened, and they lost. Bowling Green has beaten Minnesota 14-10, to and I have people on hold from California <laughs> wanting to talk about the USC job. <laughs> Hello, Sean in California. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Sean. Essig. Sean, we can't connect with Sean. Try to get him back. 855-2124-CBS. Everything I touch just goes to hell. Whether it be the phones, whether it be P.J. Fleck, even though I didn't actually touch P.J. Fleck, everything I get close to just goes to hell. Never let me hold your puppy. It's a bad idea. I can't, I I really, I can't believe that. I really am truly shocked. That is as, for, by the way, for Scott Leffler, who it's Scott, it's one of the other names. It's a weird spelling. It's just with one T. I don't know. You beat Minnesota on the road like that. They might need to give him two T's. He's earned the second T on his name. I mean, that's about as good as a win and I know where you're home for Mid-American Conference football here, CBS Sports Radio, and the breakdowns of Mid-American Conference football. I mean, that's about as good as you're going to get. I mean, that was a program that was left at, at, at death about a year ago. And to have that type of win, give them credit, man. That's a hell of a win. Hell of a win by Bowling Green. And now, uh, you look at this now for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. What, last year they were 2-4. and four. That was a COVID year. 
And if you take care, if you take care of your out of conference business, the two and one coming into the game, if you take care, and, they, and the one loss they had had was to conference opponent Ohio State. You're two and one coming into the game. You take care of your business. Everybody in the world is going to make an make an excuse for you. That is uh, your third, fourth year into it now at Minnesota. That changes the conversation about you. That does. Oh, golly, is that ugly. At home like that. I mean, it wasn't like they were stoned out. Like, I, I, you know, you could say last year, and it ended up being a really good season for Iowa State last year. Like, everybody knows I follow Matt Campbell very closely. And they lost to Louisiana in the very first game of the season last year, and it turned into, oh, my God, is has he turned into a pumpkin? And the rest of the year was great. So you can rally the troops, and you can get going in the Big Ten schedule, and, and you could get things straightened out if you're Minnesota. But that is just as, about a de- as demoralizing as it can get. Notre Dame on top of Wisconsin right now, 24-13, 6.50 left to go in this one, and Notre Dame's got the ball. It looks like Notre Dame's going to go to 4-0. A lot of people were picking Wisconsin before this one. Notre Dame, this is one of the years, and you got to give Brian, as much as you don't want to give Brian Kelly credit because he looks like the revenge of the flying tomatoes on the sideline, or killer tomatoes, not flying tomatoes. As much as you don't want to give Brian Kelly credit, you know, he is a guy, and this is why the NFL has been brought up with him too. He'll coach him up on a Saturday, and he'll build him up. You have to do that at Notre Dame. The five-star guys, they go to other places now. And it's been like that for 30-plus years. The five-star guys, they go to other places. You need to take three, four. And you do still at Notre Dame. You still get three five-star guys. You still do. But you got to take three and four-star guys. you got to be able to coach them up to play at that, that incredible level. You have a couple of different things that always go your way if you're Notre Dame. You are Notre Dame. You have the independent schedule. You can go undefeated against what people believe is lackluster talent because you're not a, in a conference even though you're playing a ton of Big Ten schools and you are playing an ACC schedule, you can do that and you'll be fine. You can get away with even a loss if it happens to the right opponent, a la Clemson last year. So there are things that go your way if you're Brian Kelly and Notre Dame that that other schools don't get. But credit where it's due, that's a good coaching job right now. They have, they have I don't think they got the great tight end, but I do not think that they have the type of talent that they had even last year to just go out and out-ass opponents. You, you really got to coach. You really got to out-scheme. You really got to push forward. You really got to fight if you're Notre Dame, and they had to do that this year. And so they're out to a 4-0 schedule, and it looks pretty good right now. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Coming up next, I will get to the question about the taunting in the NFL. We got Joe Pascalia, the athletic in Buffalo at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and – a questioning of my American pride. Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. Right now, it's the latest sports update with Pete McCarthy. I still haven't tried it. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Mike in Jacksonville, Ken, always great to come across you on the radio. Just biking out on a beautiful 88-degree floor today, going to the Jaguars game tomorrow. And, yes, I will be drinking, but no way can I drink enough. So, please ask anyone out there with a heart and liver to drink one for me. There you go. Hopefully not while you're driving and you're listening to this show. After you're done driving and you can stay home or stay at the bar and enjoy yourself, you can go right on ahead and do so. 
Mike going to the Jacksonville game tomorrow in Jacksonville as Arizona's going to town. Everybody's loving Kyler Murray. I think they should be loving that defense. I'm just seeing a whole lot of backpedaling and letting it fly when it comes to Kyler Murray. But still, whatever's working, working, and it's working for the Arizona Cardinals right now. 855-212-4CBS. Uh, Essig, you there? Yeah, I am. I have a question I want to ask everybody at 420 p.m. Eastern. Joe Biscaglia is going to join us at 420 p.m. Eastern. I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid. Um, I have a question of my, my patriotism. You know, nationalism's not a good word to use right now. It used to be an okay word, and then, you know, people took it and bastardized it. I have a question of my patriotism coming up at 420, okay? I want you to think about it and, and just, just – I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. I just want to let you know, as of right now, I'm going to need your help. I know I I have to have you at 4.40 p.m. Eastern for work or shoot, but I need you at 4.20 p.m. Eastern for this coming up, okay? Sounds good. I'll be there. All right. Think about what makes you patriotic. Think about what makes you a lover of America and whether or not I truly love America if I don't like this coming up at 4.20 p.m. Eastern. Essek, where'd you go to college? I went to SUNY Stony Brook and then went to Marymount University. Okay, so not big football schools then? No. In fact, uh, okay. it was a funny joke with Marymount because we didn't even have a football team that we had shirts that said Marymount football undefeated. Wow. Hell, I never even knew that. Hey, when you say Stony Brook, it's the Stony Brook, right? The one Jeff Bowles was a basketball coach at? Uh, yes, I believe so. The one out on Long Island. Okay. Okay, then that's the one. All right, I wanted to make sure. The great Matthew Essig joining us on the show. I wanted to ask him something because I, I do think there's something towards the, the taunting stuff, and I'll get to that here in a second. And I didn't think before, is there such thing as too much success in college football? Now, I'll, I'll bring Doug Maurice on from the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com coming up. And he's a Buckeyes writer based out of Columbus for the, for that publication. But I'll bring him on at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. They had 76,000. Now, they tried to explain it going, well, there was 90,000 paid attendance. And the first thing you think is, well, that doesn't make any sense. Every single entity out there, maybe Ohio State just doesn't, isn't used to doing that. So maybe that's what they thought. Everybody announces paid attendance. Nobody announces the actual bodies that are in the facility. Nobody does that. Everybody announces paid attendance. If there's 76,000 people in the building and you had 90,000 paid or 90-whatever-thousand paid, you announce 90-whatever-thousand paid. That doesn't make any sense. But Ohio State – and there was the best thing was earlier this week, I had Ohio State fans going, well, I don't know, Ken, I was there, and you're trying to tell me there were 30,000 empty seats. I don't know. I saw a lot of pictures. It looks like you could easily have had 30,000 empty seats in that stadium. Either way, I think we're noticing something here. And I wonder if there's such a thing as too much success for a college football program or any of the other reasons that could possibly lead to something like this. Ohio State has enjoyed incredible attendance over the last 20 years now. Full boat stadiums, very rarely a seat to be had, exorbitant prices to go to that. It is something to brag about on social media. It's something to brag about on your friends. There's a lot of people across all the major sports who are turning in season tickets. They're not going to as many games as they used to. They enjoy the at-home atmosphere. But college football, and certainly at Ohio State, has been something that's been defended for a long time is 
This is the bastion of the fan. These are people who are proud alums. They love their university. They love Ohio State football, and they're going to continue to go because their fathers went, their grandfathers went. They met their wives there. They met their grandmothers there, and so on and so forth. It's a time-honored tradition. 76,000 is a little scary. 76,000 throws you off. And I have long looked the other way because I, I, I get sometimes I get thrown off by by attendance talk, but I had to bring it up because Ohio State hit it right in my face the other day. Where you go back to 2018 in the year that the Clemson Tigers won the national championship. And I got – it's weird. You can blame pa- pandemic in 2020 or whatever. In 2018, during the college football season – and the Clemson Tigers, and they won the national championship all during that year. They never actually had a full sellout during that 2018 season. Yeah, that's according to USA Today, which I just found this here from a 2021 article. From UGA Wire, which is also U- USA Today, and an article titled, College Football Game Attendance Still on the Decline. Why and what's the solution? Georgia, who's ab- actually having great attendance, and full boat stadiums for their games over at Sanford Stadium, they don't seem to have the problem, but they are paying attention to what's going on with some of the other schools in the SEC. I was watching the end of the LSU-Mississippi State game just about 15, 10, 15 minutes ago, and that's a 28-25 game, but I did see it at the beginning of the football game, and there were plenty of good seats available, and the upper deck over at Starkville, where there was plenty of people that they still could have led into that game, and that's against LSU. That's a good, still a, t- a upper-ranked SEC opponent, a recent national champion. You're trying to knock off. You're a big fan. There's seats available. Alabama and Nick Saban bringing up another example. This from September 9th, 2019 from John Duffy. Nick Saban rants about Alabama's student section, dot, 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 again, which has been something that he has pointed his barrels at over his time at Alabama. The student section showed up. They were excited. He won a few national championships. Then when you're playing Mercer, they don't really come to the ballpark. For whatever reason, and there's plenty of them, I want to know why. 855-2124-CBS. Because I wonder if it's such a thing as, well, you know, you have television. And I'm clicking right now on a couple of different screens, and right now I'm watching Eastern Michigan, which is in a halftime right now, against Texas State. Paying attention to Jake Spavadol and whether or not the Bobcats can get over the COVID hump, or really just paying attention to my buddy and my co-host, Anthony Lima, who's doing the game right now on ESPN+. I can switch from a bunch of different games. I was able to go from that LSU game I was talking about to obviously the Bowling Green game back over to Notre Dame. I can go to Iowa State Baylor. I can do anything all from sitting right here. And while the TV isn't free, I pay a subscription free, it feels free while you're sitting at home. The beer is cheaper. The amenities are nicer. I feel more comfortable. I don't need to drive. I don't need to park. I don't need to to go through the the stress of following the person with the light-up thing like they're trying to land the planes and having to follow them into some lot, parking a little bit too close, having to get my big fat ass out of my truck, and i got to keep that door because I don't want to hit my neighbor next to me here because that can start something awkward, especially if they're still in their car. So I have to squeeze myself out of this door and be able to go in there, and then it's a long-ass walk. Or in some cases, and we are seeing this in the NFL right now with the brand-new stadium, at SoFi, you have to take a tram. 
or at Allegiant Field, Allegiant Stadium, I forget which exactly it's called, over there in Las Vegas where you have to take a tram from the parking lots that they have because you can't park anywhere near the stadium. The amenities are different. Maybe if you go to NFL games or you go to Major League Baseball games or NBA games, there is a certain level of service. You pay through the nose, but you also get a certain level of service in some of these places. Club seats in a in a brand-new stadium at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, there are going to be perks. If you pay for those perks, you are going to get free free food, free drink, free alcohol, depending on what, what package you buy. At a college football stadium, some of the rules are antiquated. And for student sections, you can't be drinking in the student section. At least I don't believe in most of them. Some of the rules are antiquated. Some of the stadiums. These are old stadiums. SoFi Stadium built just this year. The oldest stadium in the NFL, you look at Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field has tons of modern features, tons of things that that have creature comforts for fans because they want them to spend more money, and they know that they're still in in Wisconsin. If one fan gives up their seats because they find it too expensive, three, four, five, ten, a dozen more or more so will try to get that same seat. And then they get all those different creature comforts. Even in an old stadium, they're able to revamp it, revitalize it, and bring it into the 21st century. At a lot of these places, the concourses, it's hidden from the field of sight line. They've tried to do a couple of different things, but with the structure of the stadium, it's hard to do. At the Big House, there's one way in and one way out, depending on what row you're in. It's impossible to do it like that there. And I think now that the professional experience, the money that's paid, and the expectation that you get leave out the preseason, I think that takes it away. There is a level of, what am I paying for? At Ohio State last week, Tulsa, I can sit there and I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, hey, they're a dangerous 0-2 team. Boy, they played everybody tough. You don't care. You expect Ohio State to go out there kick the ball off, get the ball back, score, and do it a bunch more times, and you should be able to be plenty ready to go get loaded again over at the Little Bar or somewhere else at halftime. And it's the same thing in Alabama. It's the same thing in Clemson. It's the same thing in Oklahoma. Oklahoma's enjoying good attendance right now, I do believe. Like, there are a lot of times where in that non-conference schedule, there are plenty of people who get value In so many other places, they paid for it, but they're getting value, and they go to college football and they say, what am I getting out of this? If I'm going to see Alabama play LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium, that's a big damn deal. If I'm going to see Alabama, and this is the scary thing for Alabama, if I'm going to Alabama, play Mercer, am I really going to an Alabama game? My son, even though I'm not an Ohio State fan, I'm raising him an Ohio State fan. We're in the state of Ohio. I looked at tickets. You're looking for a good seat, decent seats, $300 a pair. And that's to go see Akron tonight. We ain't going. 855-212-4CBS. Let me get to John in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You're next up on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead, John. Hey, man. I went to the University of Alabama, and I live in Tuscaloosa. And as a student, yeah, you have the opportunity to go to the games like Mercer and Southern Miss, but – I'm a fan of college football. I don't want to see Alabama beat Mercer by 50. I don't want to see Alabama beat Southern Miss by 50. I'd rather stay home and watch Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and 
some of the big games around the country because I already know the outcome of, of what I'm going to see at Brian Davy Stadium. I don't know the outcome of Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Boston College, Missouri. And I know it sounds like I'm spoiled as an Alabama fan, which I guess I am, but if you want me to show up, then you need to schedule games that excite me because if not, I'm going to stay home and watch other games around the nation. John, I, I tell you what, I think you just hit it out of the park there, and it's not just because I agree with you on that. And I thank you very much for the call and the perspective there. There are a lot more people that are hardcore. There are definitely hardcore Alabama fans out there. In the South, though, college football is taken differently. I try to watch every single game every single week of the NFL. I'm in an NFL city. I cover an NFL team. I do an NFL pregame show. I know. Congratulations on all my success. And when the Cleveland Browns are playing, obviously I'm watching the Cleveland Browns. But if I'm not at the stadium and I'm at home watching the Browns, and then afterwards and everything else, I'm watching some of the other ones. It's the NFL. It's a different experience. Every game is in doubt. But if the Browns, or even the Patriots, you could look at this. This is probably a better example. If I were in Boston at EI, and I were covering the Patriots, could it possibly be the same way? I expect the Patriots to play good football. They expect Alabama to play good football. The opponent might be the Jacksonville Jaguars. The opponent might be the Mercer Bears. You expect them to go out there and play, and you expect them to play well and to win. Are you paying attention to some of the other scores out there? Are you paying attention to some of the other games, especially in college football where John, a guy in Tuscaloosa in the South, you find very intelligent college football fans. Not just SEC fans, they're paying attention to the games. It's a passionate, I would say almost an intellectual, even though some people might roll their eyes because I'm talking, an intellectual college football fan who knows about the other schools. And if you're going to charge $300, in the case where I was looking up Ohio State Akron, if you're going to charge $300, can I get a worse seat get $300, watch Ohio State play a bigger opponent and get more value than go and watch Ohio State Akron. 855-2124-CBS. Up next, Joe Biscaya. We'll talk bills with him. Are they in trouble? Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 